Welcome to the Jinx Dance Media Podcast. This is your host Jude, and this is where I'll be chatting to you about how to design and create high-quality dance events and creative dance content. I'll be covering topics ranging from fundraising, marketing, production, content creation, design, and so much more so that you can have all the tools and resources you need to stand out and build genuine connections with your audience. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Jinx Dance Media Podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about all things budgeting and how to find funding for your event. Before we dive in, though, I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to everyone who tuned into my first episode. I have received a lot of really positive feedback, which makes me feel really good just knowing that this is something people are actually getting value from. I really appreciate your support to everyone who rated my podcast as well. And for those of you who are tuning in, if you like the content you're getting and you haven't done so already, please help a girl out and rate my podcast five stars. Anyways, let's jump into it. So first, I want to start by talking briefly about the importance of having a budget and why you need one. The primary reason it's important to have a budget for your event is because it's going to give you clear parameters to work with. This will allow you to see realistically what things are going to cost, and depending on your budget, if you need to cut certain expenses or if you need to find ways to increase your revenue. It's also important to know what your goal is, whether it is to break even, to profit, or for some folks, if you're comfortable with taking a loss even. If you're in either of the latter camps, however, be sure you clarify how much you want to profit or how much you're willing to take a loss on as well, as that's going to inform a lot of your decisions. Your budget will help you see clearly if you're actually on track with your goal or if you need to reevaluate some things to stay in alignment. Additionally, your budget is also going to help you realistically determine the scope of the event. For example, if your budget is $1,000, then the scope of your event will more than likely be local or regional. It's just very unrealistic to attract folks from out of state with such a small budget in my experience. Um, But say if your budget is $5,000, however, then you're more likely going to be able to reach that national audience since you'll have the funds to have a decent sized prize pool as well as getting judges from outside of your local community. Of course, these are just examples. I would not recommend you use these exact numbers when determining your own budget and budgets for events with similar scopes can fall in a range. So make sure you do your own research and see you know, how much it's gonna cost if you want to do an event in your local area versus how much it might cost if you wanna do a national event or even an international event. Also, another example of scope that may be important to consider is if your event's a single day event or if it's gonna be a multiple day event. Obviously, this can impact things like venue cost as well as lodging and transportation costs um, if you're getting artists from out of state. So making sure you're keeping all of that in mind when you're determining your budget is going to be super important as well. So now that we've talked a little bit about why it's important to have a budget, and I hope you can all now agree that yes, you should have one for these very, very practical reasons, I want to give you all just some general guidelines as to how you can make an effective and realistic budget for your event. So I'm gonna do that just by walking you guys through my process. So usually I will make my budget in Excel or Google Sheets. 
I just think it's the most practical and it's nice because you can use some total to automatically calculate line items instead of manually having to add stuff up every time you make changes and it's free to use. So definitely take advantage of that as a tool. Now you can either create two separate sheets or you can put these side by side in one sheet just depending on your preferences. But I usually have a chart for expenses and a chart for revenue. As a baseline, it's ideal to always have the total amounts for each break even. But if your goal is to profit or if you're expecting a loss, then you can adjust that accordingly as well. So starting with expenses, I usually group my expenses together by categories. For example, I might do a category called artist fees where I'll put things like judges, DJs, photographers, videographers, travel and lodging costs, uh, prize money, food expenses, things like that. Or I might do a category like venue where I will put things like rental fees, um, equipment costs, tables, lights, so on and so forth, right? Some other categories I like to include are marketing, design and signage, and collateral materials. So you can always add your own categories or adjust these as needed. But when you have a lot of line items, I think it's helpful to have uh, categories and to group these things together just so it's easier to digest visually. And you can also see how much you're spending in each group as well. I then will have an estimated cost column and an actual cost column. So I can compare how much I estimated something might cost uh, versus how much it actually costs as I begin to plan and execute the event. And it's super important to make sure you're updating this consistently um, as you continue to spend money on different things for your event. Sometimes if I'm submitting a budget for a grant, I might include both a minimum estimated and a maximum estimated column instead, just to show what we need at a minimum to make the event happen versus what would be ideal if we wanted to go all out on everything. And I actually don't even use this just for grants. I sometimes use this for myself as well. If we have some funding stuff that's up in the air and we're just trying to see what our options are and compare and contrast what we can and can't afford, um, I always like to kind of outline that stuff for myself as well. So that's a good tool for multiple things. Once you have all your items listed, however, it's important to make sure you go through and research how much everything may cost. I really don't recommend you just throw a random number out there, but instead actually call up a few venues, get different rental rate options, ask some of your potential judges what their rates are going to be, look up how much flights are gonna cost, or if you need signage, call a FedEx or wherever you wanna print stuff from and get some estimates, right? Um, additionally, a huge no-no for your budget is to have a line item that says miscellaneous and just smack a random amount on there for random expenses that may pop up. I have been guilty of doing this myself in the past, especially when I first started doing events and didn't really know what kind of minor expenses to expect. But I learned a few lessons from doing this. Uh, firstly, it can become an issue if you budget too small of an amount and it turns out you need to spend more than you're expecting and you just didn't prepare properly for all the stuff you might need, such as things like, you know, water bottles, tape, wristbands, Sharpies, all those little things. You wanna make sure you're outlining and actually estimating how much it's gonna cost because it does add up, trust me. Secondly, if for some reason you did happen to budget a large amount uh, for this, it can still be problematic because you might end up spending more money that you don't really need to spend 
just because you have it budgeted and it's like, oh, well, we can afford this. It's in our budget, so we might as well, right? And it just all goes in the miscellaneous category. And then you end up just making a bunch of purchases that aren't actually the most thoughtful or intentional or the best use of your money, right? So making sure that you have every single thing you need to spend money on in your budget, all the way down to those miscellaneous supplies, as tedious as it might sound, um, it's actually going to help you in the long run be more intentional and mindful of where your money is going. And especially for events where we don't have a lot of it, we do want to make sure we're tracking it to the T because we want to make the most of our money, right? So once you have all your expenses outlined, then you can move on to your revenue. I usually have two categories within revenue, which are earned and contributed. Under earned, I usually put things like ticket and merchandise sales, as well as income from workshops. For contributed, that's where you'll put things like donations, sponsorships, or grants. Now that you kind of have an idea of how to build out your budget, I want to jump into different ways you can actually get funding for your event. Let's start with your earned revenue. A reminder, this is things like ticket sales, merchandise sales, income from workshops, money that you earn, right? So as a baseline, unless you have free entry for your event, you should always have ticket sales as an income. Usually it's a good rule of thumb to estimate, I would say about 80% of the amount of attendees you can actually expect to show up for your event. That way you aren't overestimating the amount of income you will have from ticket sales. And this also can help account for, you know, those VIP people who are getting in for free, staff and volunteers who are getting in for free, right? So it's also important to kind of estimate a little bit lower than what you're actually expecting for that reason. If you're charging at the door, then obviously you will want to be prepared to front some expenses until the day of your event as well. Um, if you're not comfortable with doing that, then I suggest you look for ways to sell tickets online in advance. There are lots of different platforms in which you can do this. Um, so make sure you do your research and see what works best for you. Uh, there are also always different tier ticketing options you can try out, such as doing pre-sales or if you're doing workshops, you can always do a discounted package rate for people who want entry to both the event and the workshops, for example. A note of caution on tier ticketing options though, one thing I personally just don't agree with is charging spectators a cheaper entry fee than people who are battling. I've seen a lot of events do this and I understand that People may think because those who are battling have a chance to win prize money, maybe they should pay more, but I actually don't see it that way at all. Dancers are essentially the entertainment for your spectators, and without people entering your battle, you wouldn't have an event. So in my mind, I actually think it's kind of like taking advantage of people in the community's desire to compete and showcase themselves. Plus, typically speaking, there's usually only one winner, so... 99% of those people are not going to make any money by entering the battle. And unless you have a tiered prize pool where, say, people in the top 16 all get a certain payout, to me it just feels unfair to ask people to pay more to enter the battle when they actually are the ones who are doing all the work to make the event entertaining for everyone else. So... That's my personal take on that. I know that may be a controversial opinion, and I know people who have limited budgets may feel differently, um, but 
That's just my take on it. So that's my note of caution for anyone considering that. Um, but if you have other thoughts, please let me know. I'm always up to discussion. Anyways, some other earned income sources can be workshops or merchandise. Both of these, again, will likely require some upfront costs, but if you market them correctly, you can likely make some profit from them. Again, you can always offer different rates for people who want to do one workshop versus multiple workshops, or for merchandise, you can do pre-sale rates if they want to buy stuff online in advance to pick up at the event for a discounted rate versus if they just want to purchase it at the event, then it would maybe be a little bit more. Um, so that's always an idea as well. And an important thing to know about merchandise is to make sure you're selling stuff that people actually get value from and has longevity. In general, I think that that stuff just tends to do better. So that's just a little word of advice for me as well. And as far as finding other sources of revenue that you can earn, get creative with it. There are lots of ways to make revenue um, if you put your mind to it. So now for contributed revenue, um, the simplest contributed revenue that you can find is gonna be your own personal funds. Um, but as many of us are very limited in that, let's talk about external revenue sources you can get if you're willing to put the work in. Fundraising and sponsorships. I wanna clarify that these are very, very different. I think a huge mistake a lot of people make is confusing donors and sponsors as the same thing. And I see a lot of people use those terms interchangeably. So how are they different, do you ask? Well, <laughs> let's start with fundraising. Usually donors are looking to contribute their money to a cause they care about. They wanna know that their money is going towards something meaningful. And so when trying to get donations, it's important to make sure you're looking to people who can connect with your cause. Usually storytelling is really important in fundraising since you're gonna to need to emphasize your story, the story of your event, story of your attendees, your audience, and also how it's important and how it's gonna make a positive impact on that community. Another important thing to note for fundraising is that individual donors tend to be the largest contributors as opposed to mass fundraising campaigns that are open to the public. Although these can still be very valuable if done right um, and you can make significant income from them as well. But I just wanna highlight that it's important to make sure you're building relationships with potential individual donors and ensuring you're asking the right people who both care about your cause and also have the means to contribute to it. There will be lots of people in the community who care, but maybe can't contribute to it because they just don't have the means, right? So making sure you're targeting people who fit both of those criteria is gonna be super important when looking for larger quality donations. I won't get too in depth into how to build and maintain donor relationships since that can honestly be a whole other topic, but ensuring that you follow up and properly thank your donors will also help with retaining them in the long term. Um, additionally, if you do not have a nonprofit status, just know that you may need to pay taxes on donations you will receive and donors will not be able to receive tax benefits. Another way to collect donations without having to pay taxes and to still be able to give your donors tax breaks on their contributions would be to actually partner with a nonprofit organization. Usually they will take a percentage of your donations in exchange for collecting them on your behalf. Um, but I'll talk a little bit more about partnering with a nonprofit here in a moment. First, let's talk sponsorships. 
Sponsors are completely different from donors in the sense that, and I don't say this to sound harsh, but generally speaking, they don't care about your cause or how they can positively impact the community. Again, I say generally speaking, as some sponsors do care, but I would argue that it is almost never their primary motive. This is important to clarify because when you are trying to pitch to sponsors, you do not want to approach it the same way you do donors. A sponsorship is an agreement which aims to provide mutual marketing benefits to both parties. So instead, you should be focusing on their pain points and the value you or your event can provide their brand in addressing these pain points. And yes, I do specifically say mutual benefits as well, because it's also important to ensure you are getting benefits out of this deal as well. A sponsorship fee is baseline for a sponsor agreement and in-kind donations, uh, also known as people just donating free stuff for your event, should be considered as additional contributions on top of the sponsorship fee. If you guys are interested, I can definitely do a more in-depth episode talking about sponsorships and fundraising, how to put a proposal together, how to maintain those relationships, and what a fair agreement might look like. So definitely let me know if that's something you guys are interested in. Um, But that's all I'm going to say on sponsorship and fundraising for now. Just a little bit of info, a little bit of clarification between the difference between the two. If you have any questions or want more information, just reach out to me. So moving on to the other ways that you can get contributed revenue, you can always apply for grants as well, right? There are lots of different types of grants out there, some of which you can still apply for without a nonprofit status, such as like individual artist grants, for example. I highly recommend you do your research into both your local grants as well as some national grants. Usually you can talk to your local city or state's grant office and they can recommend you some resources as to where to look for grants, how to effectively create a grant application and who to talk to as well. So highly recommend you do that. It's gonna be different for everyone, but the resources are out there. So make sure you're just putting in the work. Another way to get grants is to again, partner with a nonprofit organization. They can apply for grants on your behalf and depending on the nonprofit, they may wanna use a percentage of that grant for another project of theirs or they may want to be more involved with your event, such as having an official partnership status, getting free entry, um, and having like the opportunity to engage directly with your attendees and promote their own nonprofit. So there's lots of ways to kind of engage with nonprofits that already exist and already kind of have the structure and the resources to get funding for your event. So those are all the primary funding resources for your event that I have. If you have any more to add, please feel free to let me know as I think it can always be helpful to spread awareness about this stuff for others who are looking to host their own events. Um, I also think it's important to note as well that a lot of these things take time. In the case of sponsorships and grants, it can sometimes take several applications or years of pitching to some of these places to actually get your foot in the door. So my biggest tip of advice is to be patient and make sure you're being consistent. So obviously there's a lot more I could unpack with all of this, but I just kind of wanted to keep it short and sweet and to the point. I hope this general overview of how to build your budget and where to get funding for your event was helpful. Um, Again, if you have any questions or want to learn more, please feel free to reach out to me. 
Um, you can reach out to me at Jinx Dance Media on Instagram or on my website, jinxdancemedia.com. And let me know if you want to hear another podcast episode exploring any of these topics more in depth. If you enjoyed this episode, please give me a five-star rating as well. Um, otherwise, I will talk to you guys next time. <laughs>